like our call to worship in our reading today. Hildegard von Bingen's words are all encompassing, calling us to a wider and deeper understanding of the divine. She wrote, oh, Sophia, you encircle circling, understanding, comprehending everything. Your loving wisdom flows like the sap in the trees, nourishing life with the food of truth, uniting all on a living spiral pathway. Hildegard's legacy of musical compositions, preaching, art, writing, herbal and medicinal knowledge, religious naturalism, and deep mysticism is not well known in our modern world. But her spiritual explorations and her words still have much to teach us today. Today, I would like to share her incredible story with you. She was born in the Rhineland of what is now Germany to a noble family. Her father was a knight and she was the youngest of 10 children. She was often ill as a child, and from the time she was about three years old, she suffered from terrible headaches. When she was eight years old, her parents offered her as a sort of tithe to the church, which this was a common practice for noble families in those times. She was placed in the care of the local hermitage, where she served as the handmaid to a 15-year-old girl named Yetta. Yetta had also come from a noble family and had chosen to live the ascetic life of a recluse in the hermitage. Yetta and Hildegard were isolated together, and Yetta taught Hildegard to read and write, to play, and even to pray, and even to play music. As time went on, more girls and women joined the spiritual community, and along with the Benedictine monks, it became a nunnery with Yetta as the abbess. When Hildegard was 15, she took her vows to become a nun. And when she was 38, Yetta died. Hildegard was elected to succeed Yetta as the abbess. Now, Hildegard had always had visions since she was a little girl. But after she became abbess, her visions became more frequent and vivid, sometimes leaving her bedridden for weeks. She describes her visions in this way. In this affliction, I lay 30 days while my body burned as with fever. And throughout those days, I watched a procession of angels innumerable who fought alongside Michael against the dragon and won the victory. And one of them called out to me, Eagle, Eagle, why sleepest thou? Arise, for it is dawn, eat and drink. Instantly, Hildegard said, my body and my senses came back into the world. And seeing this, my fellow nuns who were weeping around me lifted me from the ground, placed me on my bed. And thus I began to get my strength back. Hildegard lived a long and incredible life, standing up to church leaders, following a revelation to leave the abbey to start her own, studying plants and medicine, ex exploring theology and philosophy, and writing extensively. She was ahead of her time as a musical composer, and her music is still studied extensively today.
She was a fascinating and brilliant character, and she emerged from a context where women were not educated or even allowed to speak. And yet, Hildegard walked hundreds of miles on three preaching tours. It is truly miraculous that she was able to accomplish all that she did during her long life. She lived 83 years, which in medieval times was practically unheard of. She has been called an ecumenical mystic because her revelations tapped into symbols from other traditions, Celtic symbols that she may have been exposed to, but also symbols from traditions she could not have possibly had any earthly contact with at the time, such as Buddhist, Hindu, Aztec, and Hopi. It is a mystery as to why she was able to have visions which included such things. When I look at the six sources of our Unitarian Universalist faith, it's, in, it's interesting because Hildegard actually drew from all of these sources. Direct experience of wonder and awe, words and deeds of prophets, wisdom where it is found in different religious traditions, Jewish and Christian teachings, of course, she was a Catholic nun, humanist teachings, and spiritual teachings of the earth-centered traditions. She drew from her wonder and awe. She shared her prophetic words and deeds and confronted injustice. She was ecumenical and faithful to Catholic and Christian teachings. Hildegard used reason and science, and she connected her spirituality to the natural world. She was eclectic in her spiritual explorations, reminding me of this quote by a UU minister, the Reverend Kathleen, Kathleen Rowlands, who said, throughout history, we have moved to the rhythms of mystery and wonder, prophecy, wisdom, teachings from ancient and modern sources, and nature herself. The work of Hildegard that fascinates me the most is her teaching that nature is a revelation of God. She was the first Christian 200 years before Thomas Aquinas to claim that revelation came not just from sacred texts, but also from nature. Her teachings celebrated the sacred circle of life with instructions to live in the harmony and rhythms of nature. She left us with many artistic renditions of her cosmic visions, including this mandala. Called on the articulation of the body, it represents the tree of life in the universal cosmos and the seasons of human life throughout the seasons of the year. The imagery includes the breath of life, the winds of the cosmos, the music of the spheres, and connection to the natural world. You can see her in the lower left-hand corner recording this vision. 
Now I'm going to show you a close-up of the center of that mandala, highlighting the seasons of a person's life, cultivating and harvesting, and living within the cycles of the natural world. Her book of natural healing was called Physica, and it begins the work with the words, with earth was the human being created. All the elements served mankind and sensing that man was alive, they busied themselves in aiding his life in every way. And man in turn occupied himself with them. The earth gave its vital energy and through the beneficial herb, the earth brings forth the range of mankind's spiritual powers. Hildegard's imagery of vines and leaves, rich soil and flourishing fruit were no doubt inspired by the lush green river valleys where she spent her life. She was a religious naturalist, coining the word veriditas or greening power to describe the healing and restorative powers of the earth. Her biographer, the white Episcopal priest named Matthew Fox, who I believe actually might live in New Mexico. He understands Veriditas to be, quote, God's freshness that humans receive in their spiritual and physical life forces. Veriditas is the power of springtime, a germinating force, a fruitfulness that comes from God and permeates all of creation. And Fox sees it as a blessing. Hildegard writes of the exquisite greening of trees and grasses and refers to God as a great underground river. Hildegard's theology often notes this constant interplay of the human person as a microcosm, both physically and spiritually within the macrocosm of the universe. And while it's been really interesting to learn about someone as unusual as Hildegard, she also calls us to answer some deeper questions. A very interesting thing happened while I was studying Hildegard. I thought this sermon would be about UU sources and how Hildegard resonated with each of those sources. I expected to kind of claim Hildegard for our own the way we UUs do. We like to claim people. Sometimes they aren't really even UUs. But then I was shocked when I actually read her words. I read some of Scivias, the book she wrote describing 26 visions she had and their, her interpretation of them. The book was a bestseller eight, 900 years ago, copied and distributed far and wide before the invention of the printing press, which was highly unusual for the time. Because of Scivias, women and girls came flocking to join Hildegard's Abbey. 
I eagerly read parts of it. It's a big book over 500 pages. And I assumed that I would resonate with the whole book. After all, Hildegard was cool. <laughs> she resonates with my pagan roots, my feminism, my religious naturalism. I wanted to believe that Hildegard's mystic visions were a connection to some objectively true wisdom of the divine. I wanted to witness the underground streams of knowledge that run through all religious and spiritual traditions that Hildegard may have been tapping into. And I found beautiful writing, captivating visions, ideas that resonated with my mind and my heart and my being. But then I also found some pretty offensive ideas that rained on my parade, not like the medieval, not unlike the medieval church that she had given her life to. Her beliefs, especially around human sexuality, were homophobic and sexist and harmful. What did I expect, though? She lived in medieval times in a certain context and Hildegard von Bingen was a human being. I was disappointed in her, though. She let me down. I texted one of my colleagues, who's a big Hildegard fan, and I lamented that Hildegard's teachings on sexuality run so counter to my dearly held beliefs, and they are teachings that are still alive and well in our culture today, and they cause great harm. I realized that I had wanted Hildegard to be something that no human being is, a bearer of perfect wisdom, and her writings a source of absolute truth. That awareness of my own desire to finally see what God sees and have a glimpse into the truth with a capital T of the mystery of the universe with a capital M and a capital U became my biggest takeaway from my learning about Hildegard. She reminded me of all of our human desire to find ultimate truth. Even me, the strong agnostic, the one you'll hear preaching about being okay with not knowing the answers, all of us are, it seems to me, wired to look for a guru or a prophet or a faith that will guide us to salvation and solve our problems and take away the pain of not knowing. Some folks are so desirous of knowing the absolute truth that they find a theology and they stick to it and they insist this is the one way. I've lost some dear friends to that methodology and I'm sure you have too. But at the same time, it's important not to throw Hildegard out with the bathwater either. She has so much to teach us, so much to inspire us with, but we must be discerning. This spirituality business is complicated, and it's also simple. It's not all or nothing. We can read the Bible and other sacred texts with discernment. And sometimes we don't have to condone the personal behavior of some of our greatest theologians, like the Reverend Dr. King or Forrest Church. We don't believe that revelation is sealed, and we don't believe that there is one source of wisdom. We navigate the world innately drawn to spiritual understanding and mystical experience. 
When we look for teachers to finally tell us the truth, what we find are imperfect people, imperfect theologies, imperfect doctrines, laced and woven in among some treasures of a story. Parents, teachers, ministers, friends, authors, professors, theologians, and of course ourselves, we are all fallible, even mystics. My mind is open to Hildegard's visions, having been inspired by holy oneness, by the divine. This last slide is Hildegard's mandala-like vision of choruses of angels surrounding God. God is depicted as a white space, signifying that the divine cannot be captured by an image. We will never know if Hildegard was seeing visions of angels in heaven that were given to her by God, or if there's another explanation for what she saw. In today's medicine, Hildegard might be diagnosed as having migraine headaches or physical or mental health concerns. We don't know why she had these visions, why she was so driven and passionate about things, but we do know that her music has brought great joy and inspiration to many souls over the last eight centuries. We know that her writings give us hope and make us feel connected with each other and with the earth. Hildegard was a prophetic voice and a model for what it means to use our six sources to live a life making meaning, seeking and embracing art and music and creativity. We could do worse than to follow most of her words, but not all of them. And our hearts will know when something resonates with our core values with goodness and beauty and truth, and our hearts will know when something is not coming from a place of love. Thank you for journeying with me on this exploration of Hildegard today, and I would invite you to look into her artwork and especially her music. She was so special that she had, still has many fans. Actually, I did the math, it's 900 years later. Blessed be and may it be so.